Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. And Raja Bell. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right, welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. We got a big show for you. We're going to do a ton of stuff. Friday at Five Star QA. It's one of my favorite segments. We've uh. got some good ones today. Uh, we're going to do a little baseball talk because there were some crazy finishes late. But I hope everybody's ready to enjoy their summer. Like, yeah. the NBA season, it's a wrap. it is a wrap. I've been saying it for a while. Even I didn't think it was going to be as bad as it's been, you know, through this, uh, the first three games. The thing that stinks about it, if you like to sleep, like, oh. I actually prefer when there's a 20, 30 point game. So yeah, then you're like, you all right, I'll go to down. bed in the fourth right. quarter. Last night's game, even though it was, it looks like it was, you know, in control, it was back and forth late. And you were wondering if the Cavs could get that, th- that third game, first game back in Cleveland, if they could pull it off. But the, the Warriors just turned it into that next gear and the Cavs simply couldn't keep up. Like, I was worried first quarter. I was sitting there watching it with my son and my two sons and my wife. Um, and they were like, the Cavs are on fire, like dad, they're up this, you know, I was messing around in the kitchen. I was like, how many of the, how many are up by? Cause I could hear the audio. Yeah. And everything was Cavs this, Cavs that, J.R. Smith hitting shots and Rodney, like everything was Cavs, Cavs, Cavs. And I asked my son, I said, D, how much are they up by? And he said, eight. I said, they're, they're going to lose. There's a problem. Like when you are playing that well and Golden State isn't getting the contributions they normally get from the likes of Steph and Clay Thompson and you're up eight. You got problem because that team and I, like LeBron alluded to it in the post game press conference. Like when they go on a run, it's quick. It's it's like it's you know powerful. It's nine points before you can blink. And so um, I just I thought it all spoke to a Cavs team that was really game. Like they showed some pride. I was really I was happy about the effort that they gave. Like I was really excited to see Rodney Hood come out and play well and be aggressive and throw caution to the wind. I thought Kevin Love came out and played his toughest game that I've seen in a long time. He was yep. going through people's chests. He was very, you know, d- determined to do what he wanted to do. He was not waiting. He was not deferring. Uh, there was a lot of that going on. I thought LeBron was good early. I thought he got away from being in attack mode at one point. All of that being said, they did not put enough of a gap between themselves and Golden State. I thought it was inevitable that Golden State would hunt them down and wind up winning the game. Yeah, it was it, – it, it, you just saw what looked like the super team everybody thought we were going to see. And it's crazy because when one guy has an off night, like Steph Curry, Kevin Durant picks up the slack. Yeah. LeBron talked about championship games and what you have to be to, to be a championship-level team, and simply the Cavs didn't have it. At the end of the day um... – if you want to compete for a championship or win a championship, you got to go through the champion. And they're the champion. And no matter, you know, everyone gets so caught up on saying they're, they're vulnerable or they're not playing so well. And then they go down, oh, they go down 3-2 and then they go to somebody else's floor and win. Or they, you know, they win at home and send it back to somebody else's floor and win in a game seven. You know, that's what, that's what championship teams do. That's what championship players do. They rise to the occasion and that's what Golden State has done the last four years. By the way, if you're listening to the podcast and you can, you know, see that uh, post game presser, the jacket he was wearing, like yeah. the old school Ace. I think I oh, had that in eighth year. grade. Yeah, like and it was baggy and big, purple, yeah. uh, windbreaker. Right? Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Um, so LeBron obviously is frustrated. He did everything he could, but Kevin Durant. This to me was because you know, Steph, this is why you have Kevin Durant exactly. And this was maybe one of his most impressive performances on the big stage. And when they really needed it, because as I mentioned, Steph was awful. He's one for nine uh, from three. And he hit the big three late in the game, the fourth yeah. quarter, when he was he wide open. One. Yeah, he hit his tenth one. Right. It was ugly up until that point. 
uh, for him. But this is why you have it where it was one of those games and he had the dagger from deep. He also had the other dagger late, the three from, uh, from deep. He, this is where he looks unguardable. Correct. And this is why when people said a few years ago that Golden State was a super team before they got Kevin Durant, I disagreed. Because you saw Cleveland get up and get into Steph Curry, um, run him off of a lot of threes. They they made an effort to be way more physical with yeah, him. Yeah, they were doubling him they every were, single yeah, time coming Cle- up. Clef, I mean, Clay was off a bit. And so those two combined for 11. And if you don't have the likes of Kevin Durant, a guy who can single-handedly just take the ball in the middle of the court and make buckets, no matter what you do. Like, he, if you pull up, he gets to the rim. If you, if you back up, he pulls up from 30 feet. Like, there's nothing that you can do with a guy 6'11 with that skill set to stop him from getting a shot. Then sometimes it's just whether he's making it or not. Right. That, that, that's what makes you a super team. Like, Steph and Clay, I get analytically people have said that Steph is the engine. And I'm not arguing that Steph's not the engine, which makes, he's the special sauce. He's, he's what, he's what makes them like that juggernaut of an offensive team that just blows people out of the water analytically. But what closes games in the playoffs a lot of times is a guy who can do that. You can give him the ball when everything else is going off the rails and you can't get a bucket and just say, yo, we're putting a saddle on your back. Take us home. You know what's pretty unique too is that you have to be, and it's, you got big egos, right? Like you got guys that want to get theirs. They want to have their moments and yet they spread it around. They're pretty unselfish with yeah. basketball, which is pretty unique to see when you have guys that want to get theirs. And here's Kevin Durant talking about the unselfish nature of the Warriors. Struggled to shoot the ball early on, and I felt like I had some good looks. And, you know, I just started asking for more of them, and, you know, I was able to knock down some shots for us. I'm just really just trying to come in and be the best uh, teammate player I can be until, you know, this thing is over. So, you know, I just got to stay locked in. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what was that? Did you hear that this thing is over? <laughs> was it? Is it the playoff? Did he mean this series? <laughs> right. No, man. It might have been a little subtle jab right there, a little subliminal message. Uh, I wanted to ask you, cause I was, you know, watching the game. I was actually out at dinner and, uh, was up on the bar, so I was watching it. And then I got home for the second half. But in the Octail? first half, oh yeah, yeah, a couple yeah, of them. Well, Cut well, it off at two though. All right. You know, okay. All right. <laughs> early morning. <laughs> night. Yeah, exactly. Early morning, weeknight. Zero free throws for the Cavs in the first half. How does that happen? It's absurd. It's not good it's defense. Absurd. It's Look, not well, anything well, bad officiating. Hell no, it's not. What do you mean it's good defense? <laughs> like, well, you're, how many NBA, play, how many games, how many games were played in the NBA this year? Debo, give me a stat. How many games? Like, I don't know. How many games over, like, all year long, how many games were played? There are a lot. A lot. Yeah. How many of them have zero free throws in the first half? I'm and guessing not very many. Now, here's the deal. You got the best player on the planet in LeBron. That alone gets you free throws. Period. Should. It gets you free throws. But, not he wasn't casting up threes, nor was Kevin Love or any of the rest of them. They were attacking the basket earlier. It's why I thought they had a chance to win until I realized they weren't putting enough gap in between them. But the mindset was attack the goal. Kevin Love was going through people's chest. He had a baseline move to his left hand. He kind of got behind the backboard. Um, he had Kevin Durant on him, and I haven't seen Kevin Love do this in a long time. He buried his right shoulder and went right through Kevin Durant's chest. That was the type of first half it was. For them not to get one one free throw out of that, that's absurd. Now, I'm not saying I I, I don't know why they didn't get him, right. but that's bad. Isn't there some point – well, I guess – see, this can't happen because it's so unique because it's the officials. Like, if you're in a game and Steph doesn't get a three-pointer, even in the first quarter – you're like figuring out as a coach, you're like, we got to find a way to get him a ball, to get him involved in the game. Happens right. football all the time. Like there's somebody monitoring that 
and the official standpoint, like they probably aren't aware of it, and then they're like, "Oh crap!" Like we're in, we're at halftime, and we haven't called a foul. Like yeah. something there's something off with this, which I think is kind of a it, it's something where I I think I am I'm never one like conspiracy theorist. Like uh, hey, refs can <laughs> hey, you played, so you know what you would know more than me. But obviously, you've had a unique relationship with the officials over the course of your career yeah. too. I just I look at it as maybe it was a coincidence. As opposed to, because if anything, wouldn't you think the officials would be trying to help the Cavs? So they would get them to the line to extend the series? I don't think that there was any conspiracy involved with what happened last night. Right. I just think it was bad. bad. They, like the officials have had a bad series. Yeah, like they have not. They have had issues starting with game one late when they've switched the uh, the charge block call. On right, the like it, they've had a rough series. Le- there were so many calls last night. Look, and I, I know I've had my like I get all loud and start yelling about officials and stuff, but this is. This is like genuine. There can't be a scenario in which the home team comes out in the NBA playoffs. They're attacking the basket. Like it's their only focus is to try to beat Golden State up. Uh, and they were having success. It wasn't like they were running people over trying to get to the rim. They were creating angles and getting to the basket and there's contact there. There can't be a scenario in which they don't shoot a free throw. It's, it's unexcusable. Do you think it, uh, it has helped Kevin Durant to play less on LeBron defensively? Like the energy factor? Um, that, that's an interesting one because I felt like I had some of my better offensive games when I had a really tough defensive assignment because it kind of got me into the, into the game a little bit. And I felt like last night, um, I felt like he was pretty good defensively on LeBron. Like he got up, he climbed up into the saddle against LeBron. He was forcing him to that right hand. Uh, LeBron, what is that? Game 145 possessions, 30 points. This is James against Durant. So game yep. three, he was 29 possessions on LeBron. Right. LeBron scored 10 points on four for seven field goals. I thought he did a really good job. And that sometimes can lock you in. Yeah. Can get you that just laser focus that you need, uh, to be what he was offensively, which was just incredible. And he can give better energy if he knows his possessions are going to be limited a little bit. Hey, when I'm on him, I can give a little bit more effort and yeah. I can take off the next time I'm down the court well, with somebody else. What I liked about them is they weren't resigned. I thought the Cavs got away late from that defensive energy that they had early. Um, and I thought Golden State stayed locked in on that end a bit. Like, you know, in the NBA, you're assuming, like, when you play in these late series, because Houston did it and obviously Cleveland and Golden State are doing it to each other, they're just switching everything, right? Mm-hmm. So you're assuming that when people come together, there's just going to be a natural switch. Well, Golden State was like, no. Unless you get a good screen on us, we're not switching it. Like, we're going to keep... Kevin Durant on LeBron. Like there's there were instances last night and Jeff Van Gundy kept saying it, just why do you keep switching Kevin Love onto Kevin Durant when you don't have to? If they mandate that you switch it because there's a good enough screen, then obviously you're gonna switch it. That's your game plan. But if two people don't come together and there's no actual screen, there's no need to switch. Keep the better defender on him. And I, I liked that Golden State took that approach with LeBron last night. When I was watching this game, it reminded me of a, a series I was, I've been watching on Netflix, right? Yeah. It's called Fastest Car. And it's about this series. They have like eight different races. And basically what it is, is it's guys that build their cars from the ground up. And they're okay. called sleeper cars. They have these ugly, like there was one guy raced a minivan, right? Like it was that bad. And they're like clunkers and they look bad and they race against supercars. Like right. they have Lamborghinis, Ferraris, like all these insane, you know, like the ones you buy off the rack. And right. so it's this, it's this competition. Every once in a while, you'll see a sleeper car that's put together, and it'll knock off a Lambo. In the end, traditionally, there's – and I don't want to give away the series in case you want to watch it. Yeah, are you a gearhead? No, not at all. I was like – I was just looking around Netflix and watching it. Right. But usually, 
the supercars are like, that's a cool story. But in the end, they just take off. Right. And that's what I feel like that was the way last night's game played out. Because it was back and forth, and it looked like it was a cool story. And the Cavs were hanging in there. But then when it came time, really crunch time, the last two or three minutes, that was like the Lambo that just hits it in the next gear. And it's like, yeah. see you later. We're going to take off. They totally took control of the game. I, How do you think game four is going to play out? Because I think this is one where the Golden State has not played well. <laughs> exactly. Like, like yeah. I, I think that's why I thought the, and I thought that going into last night's game. Like I, th- I thought their breakout game could be last night. They, when you say played well, they haven't had all their superstars play well together. Correct. They have not gotten the contribution from three or four offensive players in one game where they hit 120, uh, 125. Now, give the Cavs some credit defensively because they weren't great all year, but they're doing some things well enough. Um, to keep some of these guys in check, but you're, you're like, it's like a boat with holes. Yeah. Like you can keep putting your finger in different holes, but eventually like that thing's going to like, you're sinking, bro. It's going down. And so in game four, I imagine to the question you just asked me that they're going to get breakout performances from or performances from Steph, uh, not breakout, but he's going to come back right. to form. You're going to get Kevin Durant's not going to score 40, but he's probably going to have like 28 to 33 and Clay Thompson is going to be wet. So they're going to get Andre Godala's not. Going to be worse than he was last night. Right. He looked bad, by the way. Right. He played well. For him. He's been out. He looked but he rusty. Looked, he just, no, but he looked like he was, like, he looked bad in terms of there was a noticeable limp. Yeah. And so, like, it's not really concerning because there's probably only one more game left in the series, but we talked about it last pod. Like, if he looked like that in practice, I probably wouldn't have played him. Right. Because he, he was limping. Now they won the game, so it's whatever. But I imagine Golden State's going to look a lot better offensively game four. So I'm very curious to see what type of effort you get from the Cavs in game four. I think they'll come out of the gate with a lot of energy. For and sure. it kind of depends on how it plays out. But LeBron was talking about, hey, they got to keep pushing. Uh, here's LeBron after talking about the next game. Now you have Draymond and Clay, Steph, and KD. And then you sprinkle in Iguodala and Livingston and all those guys as well. Um, it adds a level of stress because you know that you can never, you can never relax, you know, and if you relax, they make you pay and making you pay could cost you a game, you know, so, um, that's the definition. It's, um, it, it's tough. Um, but you know, it's, it's all part of the competition, which I love and, um, and which I can, you know, continue to lace them up every night. So, you know, he's going to keep lacing them up. I actually think. And I think we, I think we as a whole in media, I think we read way too much into body language. Like we react, you know, we did a lot of that on the, the overtime yeah. you know, reaction with JR. I think he looks pretty resigned to more done. Like he's yeah, pretty comfortable with it because he just knows it. Like he's not devastated. They just lost at home. He's like, yeah, he's just talking about the game, Look, how the series is going to play out. And then where's he going to go? That cat understands Danny. Like, so Rodney Hood, <laughs> he knows. Rodney Hood, um, where are Rodney Hood's stats from last night? Um, he was three for five. Game. Yeah, 15, he was right? three for five in the, this, this one is, is telling. Three for five for six points in the, in the fourth quarter. Um, LeBron had 12 points. No other Cav had a field goal in the fourth quarter. Like, that's what LeBron James is working with. Rodney Hood, who <laughs> right. refused to go in a game because he wasn't playing. Um, where we at? 15, 15 points in game three, six boards. Right. That, that you had to resurrect off the bench. Probably won't be a Cav next year. And he is your second leading, like, creator, if yeah. you will. Like, LeBron is kind of spoon-feeding Kevin Love to some degree. I don't want to take anything away from Kevin Love. Sure. Kevin Love's playing great. But LeBron's making a lot of those plays for Kevin Love and everybody else out there. He's looking across at a team with, all right, Kevin Durant can go get his own shot, like, yeah. whenever he wants. Right. Um, Steph Curry can go ham and play, like, create. yeah, like, skip, hop, and jump into three. Klay Thompson can go, like, they, um, Sean Livingston's not bad. One, Like, there are a lot of guys that can make plays 
It's got to be exhausting. He knows he's the best player on the planet. He's got the best basketball IQ possibly, you know, in the NBA right now. He's not crazy. Yeah, he's game to fight, and that's his responsibility. But he knows he's not beating them. Like, again, it's Adrian and Rocky. Rock, you've seen yeah. him. You yeah. can't win. Like, there's nothing he can do right now. Uh, the good news for you, if you're watching this NBA Finals, I think on Friday night, you can stop watching after three quarters. Because I think it is, I think it could get ugly, but, uh, we'll have to see how it plays out. How about a little read and react? Read and react. Well, I'll give you a headline from CBSSports.com and we'll react to it. So first one up, Ravens forfeit two OTAs, get fined by NFL for violating off-season work, workout rules. So according to, uh, the NFL Network, Dan Rappaport, Owner Steve Biscotti was fined $100,000 while coach Don Harbaugh got stuck with a $50,000 fine. I think a lot of fans are confused by this. They're like, what, what's going on? Like what right. happened? Like, is this that much of an offense? The new CBA with the NFL, it was really, so the, the players, this is where I think it was really messed up because the players wanted more time off and the, the owners are like, what you, that's all you want. Like, sure. You guys can have time off. And they wanted, Better rules, so they were protected. It was safer at OTA workouts. So John Harbaugh was explaining it. So they actually got fined out for pass coverage contact during the early part of OTAs. And he says, quote, we have heavily emphasized these pass coverage, these CBA pass coverage rules in meetings and coached them diligently on the practice field. It has always been a high priority to include our veteran players along with new Ravens who have practiced and played their, uh, for other teams in a process and use their input and ideas so basically what happened, it sounds like they got too physical yeah. during their OTAs. And that can be dangerous because of the rules. You're not allowed to wear helmets. You're not allowed to wear pads. So you're doing a lot of stuff in just shorts. And if you get physical, that's how you get injuries happen. I think the fascinating thing is how did the NFL find out? Who dimed on them? Exactly. Yeah. A lot of times it's veterans because they are like, hey, wait a second. Like this is a little, this is right. too much work for us. Um, it happened to the Seahawks in 2016 for a fifth round pick. I think. This was a mistake. Like it was a bad negotiating ploy. Again, like it was something really easy for the owners to give back, and I think it makes the product in the NFL worse because they can't practice as well as they can if they could go out and go full go. Yeah. Um, when you were in the NBA, because there's there's a fine line, and it is like in this. I played when there wasn't this rule, but I played for a coach in Mike Shanahan who liked to take it easy on guys' bodies. So you had to kind of learn how to practice at full speed without killing each other. And yeah. In a sport like football, it's really tricky to do. Is it in the NBA like when you guys are scrimmaging, so I, is there a different pace? Yeah, so practice? I I played for you know I played when under the old rules where you had two days and you could go for 3 hours in the morning, like you get an hour for for lunch and then 35 minutes and then you're back in the gym or another hour and then you're back in the gym for another 3 hours and you're beating the hell out of each other and defensive slides and just to the point where you couldn't even feel your legs anymore after three days right um and i always thought that that was just it was breaking you down so much that you were so much more prone to injury by the time you got to the first regular season game your body was shot um and so then they changed the rules where you could have no contact at one of the practices so generally you come in in the morning and it would be shooting and no contact walking through stuff and then the afternoon you could you could actually compete a little bit um and so I liked that because some coaches, although some coaches may take it easy and understand yeah. what a body is worth, some guys will just beat the heck out of you. And so it's a slippery slope when you start like blurring the lines, like if they're clear and they've been collectively bargained on. Um, now I don't always, I don't agree with like diamond on your coach. Like if he, right. he deemed that one day Unless we it need was to egregious. Yeah. Like no, if they're out there tackling. If you're doing, <laughs> and if you're doing it every day to me right. and we're like, so dude, like, but if you say to us as a team, Hey, look, listen, dude, 
we got to get a little bit of work in today. Right. We're going to stay here for a couple extra minutes, and I might have you guys touch each other a little bit, like, physically. Yep. Just, just to simulate what we're going to do, but this isn't going to be an everyday occurrence. Right. But now, if it's we're four days in, and we're still banging around with no helmets and stuff like that, like, maybe. I just think that if it's collectively and It's hard to know on, that exactly what happened. The Harbaugh, of course, is going to come out and say we've been very careful. Oh, that was, that was super, yeah. like, composed, yeah. and, and he made sure he hit every, like, bullet point. So I would imagine there was, a, there was some uh, indiscretion there. All right. Next headline. Sixers reportedly believe uh, Brian Colangelo had no knowledge of burner Twitter accounts. Uh, I love Debo's note. Uh, Noted Sixer fan says, doesn't matter. Fire him. <laughs> I actually, this goes back to my theory. I think the longer this goes on, yeah. like the further it gets removed from it, the safer he is. And I have been suspicious of this whole story from the minute it came out. So there's a couple tweets that uh, came out. Uh, these are some from the burner accounts. Brett Brown wanted Nerlens Noel gone. Bad for locker room. Once again, Colangelo protected coach and got bleeped on for it. BC is class act. Not a bad guy. A lot of people assuming it's his wife. Uh. All these. I think there's something. I tend to believe Colangelo when he says someone's out to get me. Stop. You think so? You stop think, it. You, what? Who do you think it's his wife? Stop or think it's him. It. No, I don't know. Before what? I, who the hell is out to get you? I think there are a lot of people out to get you. Sam Henke, devotees, like people that love the process, that think it's working I, now, and I am like Colangelo. I'm I on record as saying I like BC. Like I like the I like the Colangelo family. Dude? Like is he a, does he have a good reputation? Yeah, I mean, with me, he is. He's a good right. dude. Like, the, the, I, I only judge somebody off of like the, of my relationship with him. You know what I mean? Right. And like me and BC are cool. And like I don't know his wife like that. Um but I find it hard to believe, even if you're my guy. Like, if you tell me, you know, something that it's hard for me to wrap my mind around, I'm going to call you out on it. Like, I don't know right. who would be sabotaging Brian Colangelo. Like, I, I don't. I, why wouldn't anybody else be getting sabotaged? It's purely like a Brian Colangelo, like, vendetta? I mean, I – but anyway. All right, so what if so what if there's no vendetta and it's just his wife and he had no idea that she was doing this? See, that's, no that's really tough for me. Right. That's really tough because – because I, I could mean, see that being the case. I probably, I, look, I, I probably still gotta, I probably still gotta fire you, bro. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I probably still gotta fire you. From his wife, but, but like, why is he accountable for his wife? Like, because it's your wife, bro. Yeah, you, you. What happens if you're, what, but like, what happens if she got a DUI or she did something that was, you know, against the law? Like, do you have to pay for every sin that But that's not, no, does? no, but that's not in your locker room. That's not affecting your day to day business. Like, she made a mistake. She went out and got a DUI. I mean, it's but be if she's awkward at the Christmas if, party for the Sixers, no doubt. But if she's put in, if she's put in like, like business information out there, she's putting our team business in the streets. That business is coming from you in one way, shape, or form. She ain't in the meetings. Like, she doesn't know that, 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 uh, somebody failed the physical or that, you know, that, you understand what I'm right, saying? Like, this information is coming yeah, back to her stuff. from you. So then you have to be on the hook for that, in my opinion. Like, I, I, I hope for Brian's sake that it was that because this would be the difference for me. If it was the wife just doing it and he had no knowledge of that and that can be determined, then he may get another job. If, 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 if the Sixers should let him go. I think he's gonna survive. Well, no, I, I hope he does. I right. hope he does. But if he should survive, I mean, if he, if he should be fired because of it, and it was just like the wife was doing it, and he had no knowledge of it, that saves yeah, him go going forward. Right. right. But if it was deemed that like he was, you know, in conspiring with her to put these tweets out on his behalf, that's gonna be a bad look, and I don't know that he gets another look. Thank goodness my wife's not on Twitter. I'll just say that. <laughs> she would get me fired for sure. Alright, uh, next headline. Yankees, Cubs earned dramatic wins. So the Yankees, yeah. Blue Jays, they were scoreless heading to 13th inning. 
Uh, top of the frame. Aaron Judge hits a two-run shot to go ahead. John, uh, John Carlos Stanton follows that up with a solo run. It's crazy how well the Yankees have been playing, and they're still behind Boston. Like that, Boston yeah. got off to the hot start. But these two teams are going to have a fantastic finish for the end of the season who wins the uh, AL East. Uh, and also the Cubs. So they've struggled early. Um, they actually were headed 3-3. They were tied in the ninth inning with the Phillies. The Phillies scored two in the top of the inning. Jason Hayward hits the walk-off grand slam to win it. Uh, it's Hayward's third game of the uh, home run of the season. This Cubs team, to me, they've started slow a lot in right. the past few years. Like, it's kind of their thing. Like, it's their flow, their rhythm. They pick up steam. Where I feel I like, like this. they're going to be there in the mix at the end. It might even be the favorites from the National League to get to the World Series. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, uh, as far Sorry, as Debo, for the Phillies fan. As far as the Yankees go, like, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about their rotation. I think they're a top 10 staff, right? They have a pretty, they, they have a solid staff. They need to but, add an arm, but they have a good staff, yeah. Um, I'm just, Astros. I'm excited because you add all, like you put all that firepower in there offensively and you want that to work. And they're number one in the league in runs per game, home runs per game, and they're top five in his per game. So for me, like you're getting return on your investment there, yeah. right? And then like, obviously coming down to the playoffs and stuff, that staff's got to be, like you said, they need another arm. They got to shore that up. But like as a fan who watches baseball for the highlights and stuff like that, yep. I want to see the hits and stuff. So I'm cool. With right, that. right. Um, it's going to be a fun finish. And when it comes down to the wire, this is what makes the AL East race so fascinating uh, and why the Yankees were fighting ESPN to move their schedule around because they didn't want to play a doubleheader after playing Sunday night baseball. Right. Because the loser, whoever finishes second, and it could be a game, half game difference because it's that close. Could have to go to a wild card one game, Oof. all you know, one game winner goes yeah. home or lo loser goes home scenario. That's a lot of chips at, so at stake. You want to win the division so you yeah. can get a full series and you don't have to uh, risk that uh, season on that. All right, let's move on to some take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, a little hockey talk for you. Yeah. I hope you're ready for baseball talk too because everything's about to be over. It's Literally about to be. Doldrums of summer. Deep baseball dies. All right, the Golden Knights down 3 1 in the series. They will use home ice to extend the Stanley Cup final. Take it. You're going to take that it? That place is going to be banana cakes. And I, I like, like, part of me thinks that, like, 3-1, they're, they're, like, they're going to get, they're going to go home and get rolled. But I do believe that that home ice there, look, those fans are going to turn out. I, I, they, they haven't played great. They, they haven't been true to form. There's, there's a big enough sample size to know that they've been out of sorts the last few games. I think they bounce back. I don't know that they're not going to win the series. I think they play well a, a, at home and, and get a win. I want to hear what Alex Ovechkin has to say because I need to hear his huh. voice, oh. confidence level. Do we have that? Yes. Yeah, so let's, let's hear Ovi. Let's hear here what he thinks. I think we don't think about too much. I think we just concentrate how I said in the next game. And uh, uh, when it's going to be done, yeah, we're going to talk about all the different stuff, all of, um, how good it is or uh, whatever. But uh, right now we just focus on one game and first shift and the second shift and all this kind of stuff. Boom. Keep it simple, baby. I like the mindset, though. Keep it simple. Yeah, so I am going to say the series is extended. Because <laughs> I think I think after hearing You it, had to hear him talk yeah, about it. I had to hear him talk about it. I want to see a team that's going for the dagger. I think they need to have that sense of urgency. Right. They've had their issues. I think you go back, you get the home ice in Vegas. I think it's, especially you get that pregame. you got to go watch the pregame. Uh, I'll be too Like good. the festivities that go on before the game. All right, next up. I'm very, very curious to hear your thoughts on this one. Take it or leave it. Chris Paul is worth a max contract. All right, so he's an unrestricted free agent. Uh, the reports are that he will demand a max contract. The Good Rockets can offer the max five-year deal. Other teams only have the four years. 
So this, you say good for you. Good for you. I bro. say buyer beware, and I'm going to say leave it. Okay. he is 33 years old, right? Yeah. 33 years old. The last couple years are going to cost the team 46 and $47 million in the fight. So when he is 37, 38 in a basketball body that's played a lot of minutes. That's injured. It's already starting to deteriorate. Not start, it's already been. Like, it's <laughs> yes. been. He's injured all the time. All right, so you say good for you. No, good for you. Like, but get you that money. Ask for it. Is, yeah. Would you give it to him? Would you take it? If you're, would well, you do it? Is he worth the max deal? In years one and two, probably. Right. In years three, four, and five, that's probably like. You've been in the front office, put on your GM hat. Someone's gonna pay him the max deal. Like someone's gonna, someone's gonna pay it. Like, here's what I, if you're the rock, here's what I know. Here's what I, yes, then yes. You do. You're you're gonna do it. Yeah, you just suck up and you're gonna, that's right. And that's what, that infuriated me about the front office because I would have this conversation all the time with Kobe Altman and Trent Redden and, and David Griffin. And my thing would be, I was not a seasoned vet in this, now mind you. This was their job. Way before mine, they have been trained to do this. My point would be like, he's not worth it. We're not paying him that. Like, let's not do it, please. It's not worth that kind of money. And their point would be, well, someone's going to pay it. That's right. what he. So we. It, it's, the question is whether we want him or not. And we, if we do, we got to pay him that because someone else is going to pay him that. And so that's what it. Although I hated it. That's what it is. So if someone's going to give it to him. If you want to be competitive and you're chasing Golden State, you're going to have to eat that and give him the max contract. All right. Next up, take it or leave it. Carson Wentz. Will be the Eagles starter week one. I'm going to take it, but I think they should leave it. I'm going to, I'm going to take it because I think like he's ahead of schedule. Um, and Doug Peterson, you cleared him for 707 drills and OTAs. He's way ahead of normal schedule. Um, and I don't think that at the end of the day, they want a quarterback controversy in Philly. Ooh. So I don't think they want to start. Hot topic around here. Yeah, dude, yeah. I got a lot of Philly dudes that work in our office here in Fort Lauderdale. Right. They were hot this morning because I have a theory. And I know Debo's going to be mad for me for even bringing this up. Yeah. If Wentz starts and they struggle through three games, and they start off, oh, you know, one and one and two or oh and three. Right. And he looks bad and has, you know, struggles. I think the Philly fans are going to be like, where's Nick Foles? Where's our Super well, Bowl MVP? Along those lines, my point is that I think if they roll, if they roll Nick Foles out and they're flying, right. like, you know, so I feel like the, the, the Eagles are going to put Carson Wentz out there and I would err on the side of absolute caution. Right. He's the franchise. He's the future. Don't roll him out there until that thing's 150%. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I'd put like, I'll take it. I think he will be the Eagles starter week one. Uh, it's, it'll be, so we're at six months now. It'll be nine months, week one. It's used to be, you know, in, in the medical field, like it was a solid year. Right. Yeah. And then like in the last decade, I mean, we've gotten better. The rehab process has gotten better. Sure. It's really usually around nine months. So yeah. I think he'll be fine. I think he will start. And I actually think the team is good enough where I don't think they start one and two. I don't think they start over right. three. So it's probably a moot point. Although I do think it's trickier than Philly fanboys in this office think it's going to be how you handle uh, your quarterback situation. Right. All right. Next up, take it or leave it. Dustin Johnson will finally break through this weekend. So they're in Memphis at the FedEx Jude, uh, St. Jude Classic. So he gave up his number one world ranking last month to Justin Thomas. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a thirteen to two favorite uh, at the tournament. I don't I would never touch a heavy favorite in a golf tournament. It's right. just way too wild. I don't care what it is. I just wouldn't touch it. You get no value in those plays. 
Uh, I would look somebody further down the field to get a little, uh, a little better. Like Daniel Berger, 28 to 1. Yeah. I wouldn't touch him either. He's a Florida State guy. Won it <laughs> twice in a row. He's going for the three peat. Yeah. But it's at least it's better odds at 28 to 1. Billy Horschel, a Gator. Yeah, you, I, you wouldn't touch I ain't that either. No money on him. Tony Finau. I like Tony Finau. Yeah, me too. Yeah. After breaking his ankle, comes back oh, and that cuts was it out at the Masters. Toughest golfer in history. I would do that. I w- so I would not say Dustin Johnson breaks through with a win. But I think his game is tight. I think he's going to be fine. And I would actually look for him possibly at the U.S. Open uh, yeah. challenge as something. Uh, so the question, well, the question was break out. Was it that he was going to win or that he was going to be like, what was the, what was, is there a pointed well, finally win? Break then I'm going to, I think it's, I'm going to leave that. I'm yeah. Leave I'm that. leaving that all day too. All right. Is the, is the Belmont this weekend? It is. As mm-hmm. you can tell, we're dialed into horse racing. All right. Take it or leave it. Justify will win the triple crown. Take, take it. it. Yeah. I'm with you. It almost seems like it's expected since yeah. uh, American Pharaoh did. It's like, all right, yeah, we can see that. But Justify has looked like a beast. This is Baffert, right? This is Baffert. What's his name? Guys, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. First name? Bob Baffert. I'm with that. Bob Baffert. Uh, he's, he's huge. Could be rainy again. That's what's insane is you've had nasty conditions at the Preakness in the Kentucky Derby, and he looked fine. Now, he was closer um, – so the Freakness, the last race. Play. Long Island, Long Island has Belmont this week, and then they've got the then Elmont, got, New York. Huh, yeah. Where it's Elmont. in Elmont. Yeah. All right, so what's that upstate? Is that upstate? I have no idea. <laughs> but New York's got two pretty big uh, sporting events coming up, huh? This weekend with yeah. Belmont, and then next yeah, weekend with uh, the U.S. Shinnecock, Open yeah. for sure. So we're both taking that, which means fade it. Find another <laughs> because there is a reason it never happens. Although you look at him, he looks pretty dominant. All right, let's do some picks and props. Mm-hmm. I think you've been doing all right. I need to see some new standings here. As uh, Raja and me are taking over, <laughs> the two professionals, the experts in sports, correct? We are showing our stuff right now. Debo, <laughs> what do you got for us? Picks and props. Let's just focus on Hannah. Let's focus on the bottom of that scoreboard, <laughs> not necessarily the Her top. But we're gonna have maybe, possibly, sadly, our final hockey pick for maybe the next 11 months. We're not going to go the spread today. The Knights are favored in game five at home. We're going to go the over-under on goals, which is set at five and a half Ooh. in the four games of the series. Two have gone over five and a half. Two have gone under. It's a tough one. I'm going. This is really going to count? This yes. is counting against our Always records? Counts. I hate that. This should, be, this should be a more legit question as opposed to this prop garbage over-under. Under. I'll say... Ooh, I'll good. I'll go over. You're going over. Yeah, I think it's been a high scoring series. It has, but I, it's one of those ones where you're like following the trend, and then it's going to flip back to the other one. It's like a one nothing. Like I think it's going to tighten up. I think it's tighten up because people are going to be on edge. It's elimination game. Yeah, I think so it's I'll, tighten up. Yeah, I'll say over. I'm not. All right, sorry, I can't uh, please you with all my picks and props, Danny. But we're going to go to this next one. What Tell you, me if this is over legit under. for you. What are you over under? Is a pick? You can no, bet on that. What are you picking? I want to know what you're doing. Oh, I'm picking <laughs> I forgot the under just because I want to fade you at this and, point. Yeah. And I want to make sure it's on record, too, so you can't go <laughs> manipulate It's those a things. podcast. We are on record every day. All right. Um, the next one, game four of the NBA Finals. We don't know if it's going to be a sweep, possibly, but the spread in this one, Warriors favored by six to close out the series. What we got? Take the Warriors. I think it's going to be six is a good number, though, like, Six is a good number. I want it. I think it'd be like five. My initial thought is to jump all over the Warriors. Yeah. That could be ugly. But I wish I had some insider intel on what kind of celebration they have planned. 
because they might want to just go back and have a little celebration in Golden State and win at Oracle with their home fans. Nah, uh, no way. You don't think so? I mean, you don't think like, they care? if it worked out in a perfect world, but nobody's going to be thinking about that in Game Four. They're trying to get <laughs> out of there. Uh, you don't never know, man. That flight home, parties. the flight home could End be it, fantastic. Take the Cabo and get the sea off. Take the Warriors, started. bro. All right, I'm jumping on the Warriors too. That I think they roll. <laughs> I think they absolutely destroy them. Actually, uh, so and I'm going to lean with that one. Bonus here. Will they play Usher on the team plane if they do close it out on the way back to Oakland? Mm. Nick Young, big fan of that. <laughs> after there's they no, closed out no the Rockets swaggy, in the West Finals. There's no predicting swaggy. <laughs> there is, there's no predicting swaggy it, or JaVale McGee. All right, so some props here. The over-under one hour you would last on this guy's Ben LeCompte, a French guy's journey. This dude swimming across the Pacific Ocean from Japan to San Francisco I can't swim, so I know my answer. I'd last about four minutes um, and just let the ocean take me. But so some background on this guy. He'll swim eight hours a day and then rest on a 67-foot yacht. Nice to have that. Um, but how long would you last if you were trying to swim across the Pacific Ocean over under Calm one waters? hour? Calm waters? It's I the would Pacific be... Ocean. I mean, I don't think it's <laughs> calm. Oh, but like they get rough and they get calm. It depends on the weather. Perfect storm. I'll weather. take the over. I could swim for an hour. You could swim for an hour. I would straight. be freaked out. Sharks and all. Yeah, I... it's underneath me, but I could swim for an hour. I'd up... go slow and I'd be just doing the crawl. <laughs> I grew up in St. Croix, um, where like swimming was a must. Yeah, but an hour straight swimming. Yeah. Is gr- like like it's grueling. I don't know. I mean, if you if you made me, I could probably say over. Like if right. I had to win some money right. doing it, yeah. I'd say over. We're but survived. I'm not getting in the Pacific o- Ocean in the middle of it with all them sharks and stuff. I was fishing the other day. Like real quick story, fishing the other day off Miami Beach with my my buddy Captain Wayne Con Reward Fishing Fleet. Shout out Wayne. Um, but anyway, I had this big mutton on. Right, we were deep dropping. I had this mutton snapper. It was coming up, like I got him off the wreck and stuff, and he was coming up pretty good. And then all of a sudden, everything went like haywire, and the fish just screamed to the top of the water. So I saw a bull shark with this. His head looked like a VW bug. He breached the the water. Yeah. He just engulfed my no fish. No way. And we were like half a mile off of Miami Beach. I'm not getting in that water that far <laughs> out. It's not happening. No, it's crazy. It happens even closer than that, which is crazy. nuts. Uh, true story. I did buy a speedo and some goggles. I'm gonna start swimming. <laughs> Why I got the longer why length. Can't you wear I got the longer length speedo though. What? I've been swimming. I just started getting in shape a little too much. It's too much. Go. It's too much drag in a regular yes. board short for you. Yes. If I want to get an hour, I'm going speedo. All right. Next uh, up, maybe too much information, but this yeah, guy is going to be 5,500 miles, and it's going to take him six months. Says he has a shark repellent suit, but I oh, feel like that's you. what they all say. So follow me on this next prop. Speaking of yachts, which Ben LeCompte will rest on, Tiger going to stay on one during the u.s open which takes place like raja said in shinnecock the cost of that yacht 20 million dollars so here's the prop here the price of tiger's yacht minus 19.999 million dollars versus the price you'd pay versus this (laughs) a cheeto that looks apparently like jerry west and the nba logo which has gone up on ebay for the high price of $10, the bidding up to $10.50. So ridiculous. I wouldn't drop a dime on the Cheeto logo, but you know what I'm going to start doing? Like, and this is something that a lot of people do. Like, you find, I don't ever look at my food for images. <laughs> I'm going to start paying more attention. I'm too busy just throwing stuff back. Just like, eat it. I'm going to look like when I have a chip. Like, does it look like a state? Is there something out there? Like, I'm going to start looking. Ridiculous. And then I'm going to put it on eBay, and maybe that's a business. Apparently. What do you want me to say to you? <laughs> like, where, where am I supposed to go with this? Like, who? 
Give me some direction, no someone, idea. please. I have no Got a break. Idea. We'll just keep moving it along, all right? Uh, hey, we have a lot of Sixers fans in here. We'll yeah. mention them. So if you are a true Sixers fan, then you've got to uh, have a Roku streaming player. It's a device you plug into your TV to unlock thousands of live streaming and on-demand channels, including the free CBS Sports app. you got to get that. It's awesome if you have subscriptions to any of the uh, professional sports league apps. They're all available on the Roku platform, so you can stream them right to your TV. Even if you don't have premium subscriptions, Roku is an awesome way to catch uh, your favorite local teams live with apps through many cable providers. Plus, of course... Roku has access to all the movies and TV shows you can want with more than 500,000 available across free and paid channels. So check them out. Roku streaming players start at just $29.99 for the basic player, or you can spring for the higher-end players with streaming 4K with HDR. With Father's Day right around the corner, Roku players make an awesome gift too. And when you get the CBS Sports app, you can watch my boy Rajah Bell break down the NBA like nobody else does. And he goes even deeper than he does here on the pod. So get a Roku. Go visit Roku.com. That's R-O-K-U.com to learn more and start streaming today. Players Perspective. All right. So this is a segment that our boy Debo has been wanting to do for about two months since the playoff <laughs> started. I've been fighting against it. You know why? Uh, tell me why. I can't really speak to personal experience. Ah, he wants to talk about the, uh, uh, the dynamic of a seven-game series. <laughs> but actually, I'm really curious to hear from yours because you've had experience in Game 7s and yeah. NBA Finals. Oh, I only had one playoff start in the NFL, and we lost. So I don't want to talk about it. But what is the the pressure like? What is the atmosphere like? I can only imagine. Like It's got to be one of the coolest feelings in the world to be involved in a seven-game playoff series. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty incredible. Um what I'll say about it first is like how you can't really imagine how dramatically like the complexion of the series changes from game to game, like with one win and you can go down Oh two. If you get one win, like it just feels like you're, you're back in the series. So it, it feels like the world is over at Oh two and then you get one win and you're, and you're right back in a series. So that's pretty incredible. And to start a series, typically, um, there's some nerves. The home team really feels the pressure, I believe, like in game one, because you need to take care of home court advantage. Like you want to come out and be ready to play. That's why I always say that that road team has a chance to steal game one at times, because there is a little bit more pressure on a game one home team uh, to, to just start the series off on the right foot. And then again, through the middle of the series, that, that complexion changes a lot from game to game, win to win. You're doing your best to stay in the moment. Go from like quarter to quarter. Just break it down into smaller segments. Not look at the big seven game picture. Really focus on the like the the micro. Is that right? Not the macro. Yeah. Like be be on your job. Like doing your job the best that you can do it. You're going to know the other team's tendencies, right? And so what I'll probably do if I'm guarding Danny, whoever my assignment is, is I'll have a breakdown that's been downloaded for me, and I'll every day I'll go back and I'll make sure that I, I watch that. So. You know, I've watched it three, four, five, six times before game three. So I really know where you want the ball, what you want to do with the ball. And my job is to try to make that a little more difficult. If you like it at 16 feet, I get you out to 19. If you like to right, you know, get over that right shoulder, like 70% of the time, I try to keep you to 50% of the time. Just doing little things that can then change the numbers. Um, and hope that my contribution, everyone's got the same approach. And overall, you know, that's enough to get us a win. And then it's interesting because at game seven, there's no pressure anymore. Right. There's none. It's gone because it, this is win or go home. So all that pressure that was swinging back and forth, it's all gone. And game seven is like you came to this like oasis of a place in the desert. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you've been in this big storm and there's stuff going all around you. And you know and it's close to the end. Game seven, everything's calm. 
and it's just time to hoop. Like all the noise goes away, and I look. I got goosebumps talking about Love it because it. it's it's pretty cool. But so one of my favorite things about working with you, yeah. has been learning like some of your accomplishments and how impressive they are. I did. Like you know, like I knew who you were, but I didn't know that you were up there as one of the most winningest. NBA players, if that's a word, in the NBA game sevens. I didn't know that either. <laughs> so you've had the most consecutive wins. You're right up there with LeBron James, who has six, and yeah. you're only one behind him with five consecutive. So Raja, you might have a little bit of beef with this. I just got to explain. What? Um, you have five. They don't give you credit for game seven Eastern Conference semifinals against the Raptors because you didn't play. There's a problem. Oh, right? you so I'm technically. <laughs> I'm, right I, oh, I was dressed. I was on an active roster, and I was. I was told in that series, starting in game five, that they were going to play me. Larry Brown always, like, just always straight up. Can you guard Vince Carter? Like, yeah, I guard him, put me in the game. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I can. I'm not telling you that, but let, put me in the game. But he didn't elect to, but yes, active roster, I was on. Are you kidding me? Like, that's, that's minus that game seven. Yeah. That doesn't, that's not even ridiculous. We need to petition the NBA. Yeah. Can we start that on your Twitter trend on your tweet? Yeah. Or your yeah. Twitter? We your, need to get that done. Your tweeting? Your new Twitter. Andrew was pretty close. So, <laughs> so you had, you averaged 23 minutes a game, nine points a game, 62% uh, field goal percentage from the field, 55 from three point range. I Are like, you the goat of game sevens? I'm not the goat. <laughs> your, your three point percentage is way better than LeBron's in game sevens. I, um. Awesome. I like, you know, I liked, I liked, I always consider myself, I think Robert Ori was like that too. I like the playoffs. Yeah. Like not everybody does. Like that stage gets really bright and I'm not professing to be like, like any type of killer or like, like, you know what I mean? Fun. Like I was, I was a decent player, but I liked those moments. Like those big moments when coach looked around, like Mike D'Antoni, it was game seven, of the Clippers series, like an O, might have been O six, O seven. We were down three. We needed to get to overtime. We were going to lose home court advantage. And he came to the huddle and we had like Steve Nash and everybody in that huddle. And he was looking around, and I said, I'll shoot it. Like, call <laughs> right. it for me. Right. And he called it for, like, I like those moments. Those yeah. were moments that I lived for. That's why you were good. Uh, so, speaking of Twitter, we need to get – we have to get you on Twitter. Like, I know you're fighting it, <laughs> but you can also start this petition. Yeah. <laughs> but we can also – you need to get on there so you can be socially relevant. Socially relevant. Okay. Which leads us to this little segment here. But I think you need to get on there so you control the NBA refs because oh, – I need no more problems. They are on their own Twitter accounts. They live-tweeted during the finals of Game 3. So they, they ask, hey, we're going to have a hashtag ref watch party. They want to know what's it like to watch an NBA finals game with a background in professional officiating. That's what we hope to show you during our watch party, how we see the game and hopefully tell you some things you may not know. I wonder what people want to know about zero free throws for the Cavs. Yeah, what did they say about that? Yeah, so they actually had a couple calls during the game that they talked about on the self-alley-oop when DeBron bounced off the backboard. Once the ball hits the backboard rim or any player, uh, other player, the offense player is allowed, duh, like that's like basic 101. Like, thanks for that knowledge. Way to drop it on us, official NBA refs. Then they talked about a screen. Somebody asked, can you explain why a legal screen wasn't the call? They said the screener must give the defender the time and distance to stop and change direction. Oh, that, that had to be the one on, um, on David West when he yes. like ran up and Either hit. The play dictates the amount of space that he must receive on this play. It's a very close call. It could have gone either way. We got way. it wrong. That's way wrong. Way to take a stance yeah. on that one, official NBA refs. I can only imagine the amount of trolling that they were getting last night. That's why I want you to get on Twitter just so you can tweet during the hashtag ref watch party. Yeah. Like that's, that'll be, we need to have a watch party. 
Yeah, let's do it. Let's do, a, let's do our own live watch party. All right. So it's Thursday, but since we have no pod tomorrow, we're going to do our five-star Q&A today. It's one of our favorite segments. You go on to iTunes, you subscribe, you download, and you leave us a five-star review. In the review, you ask us a question, anything you want, we're going to answer them. Hannah, give it to us. What do you got today? Hopefully I have some good stuff. Five-star Q&A. Guys, I have to lead with one that I think is my personal favorite. FL Gator 221, he said... If Danny and Roger were both captains of dodgeball teams, traditional five-on-five, five, from contacts in their phones right now, who would you both select and who would win? Oh. This is a good question. I'm going to go – I'm going to say Raja's contacts is going to win because he has more basketball players, and they're some of the best athletes in the world. Yeah. I'm sure you got Steve Nash on there. He's I do. He's pretty good. He's yeah. quick. He's nimble. I would have some pretty decent ones, but I don't think You'd I. You have some good arms, right? You got you got quarterbacks. Oh, and you have some good arms, some that's cannons. A, that's a good point. Hold yeah, on a second. yeah, right. Hold the phone. She's got a cannon. Go. Like, but I have like Dan Marino. Yeah, uh, I don't know how much he's got left in the tank. Like yeah. dodging, like moving around, quickness. He was a statue in the pocket. If you're going quarterback, get Jake Plummer, Dan Marino. Yeah. And then I got some mm. colleagues of mine that I worked with at ESPN. Like a guy like Joey Galloway still runs a fourth. See, now that's not like right, a freak. Right, 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 like, right. Yeah. You can dodge a wrench. You can dodge a ball. Yeah. Um, Guys, what if the table's turned and my contacts? <laughs> oh, well, yes. you got not, current. Yeah. Current. You'd, yeah. You'd be all right. I think you have Hannah would hit it. Hands so down. I go Stevie Nash. I probably go Kobe. Um, and then I go like my you son's. You got Kobe in there? Yeah. Oh, that ain't right. I go my son's quarterback, like coach, cause he's yes. got a gun. Like I got to find some arms to go with like the quickness and, and elusiveness, but right. I think you might get me. Oh, I don't know. I got Joe Girardi, good catcher. Yeah, you might go. Right. All right, I got too, another one. Yeah. Another one for y'all from Taco Torres. He says, this is a question for the four of you guys. What's the best and most creative gift you have given your respective significant others? My four kids. Oh, no. there it is. I like that one. I don't do – I'm not like the creative – look, my wife – I'm not the creative gift guy. I'm being right. honest. Like, I, I want her to have what she wants. Yep. So I typically, like – like, I don't know. I, I give her what she wants. <laughs> All right. So I, I, like, I don't give extravagant gifts like jewelry or anything yeah. like that. Those aren't very creative anyway. But I think I do give creative gifts because yeah. I will surprise my wife with a trip. Like, oh, okay. I'll, I'll yeah. like, oh, I'll do one. the itinerary. I'll have that's it cool. set up like a romantic getaway and like it's fun. Usually have a good time. I'll set up the kids. Yeah. Like that's my creative. creative I like that. That is creative. My wife always creative. says I should be a travel agent. I don't know if that's a, <laughs> I don't know if she thinks I'm an awful broadcaster or what. What about you guys? Yeah, Debo, what about you? You first. I'm a big scrapbook guy. Oh. <laughs> Scrapbooking. <laughs> Are you for real right now? Maybe. It's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good for you. I, there is a very sensitive side to Debo, which I, I, I appreciate. Uh, that's All right, it. Hannah. What's I've, yours? I've never done anything, honestly. Shut <laughs> no, up. No, I'm not kidding. I've never. You just done receive. You're not a giver. You don't. No, you I don't just, give I gifts. I also don't. No, I don't. Are you just boring? Yeah, no. Just boring I've, gifts. That's boring. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done like a big gift thing for anyone, and it hasn't been given to me. So <laughs> I'm chilling. I'm chilling. It's easy. All right. All right, good for you. <laughs> All right, another one, guys, by Ben Fish. He says, thinking about first round NFL draft picks this year and how being a multi-sport athlete affects your draft position. So what sport would all four of you have played or like to play instead of the sports you did play? All right, this is easy for me. Yeah. But I think some people might be surprised because I've talked a lot about baseball. Now I regret it not playing baseball. Oops. If I – yeah, I would have chosen basketball. Basketball is the most fun sport to practice, to play, to just pick up and go. Yeah. It would be NBA for me. I would have played football. 
Really? Yeah, I love football. I love it. <laughs> and I spent most of my younger, younger years in the Virgin Islands. They did not have football. Right. Um, you could play flag. And I loved My dad played in college. And, and um, I, by the time I got here, I went out in 10th grade uh, at, at Gulliver. And there was a coach that was like, look, if you're going to do this, then you can't play spring basketball. You got to be here. You've never played before. And I was like, dude, I can't. Like, I got spring basketball. I got to. And so I couldn't do it. But I would have loved to try to play football. What about yeah. you guys? You guys got any sports you would have loved to play? First. Putting him on the spot today. And a one-on-one in basketball, so that's my answer. <laughs> <It's> not happening. <laughs> Hannah, what about you? Um, volleyball was really the only thing I was like actually kind of decent at, but I think I would like to. If I could go all the way back, I would be good at tennis. Yeah, I think yeah. tennis would be a cool sport for yes. like to dominate. Like if you could say, all right, you can be a professional athlete. Yep. Like tennis, travel the world, go awesome. all over the place. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and so many tennis players come from my hometown. I'm like, oh, I really miss the mark. All right, <laughs> last question. Jin ASU alum, he says, Raja, would it be hard for you to get back into the front office since you left? You were implying that D. Griffin wouldn't hit you up if he became GM, or are you trying to get back into coaching? If so, then why hasn't FIU hit you up? Okay, Jin, I hear you. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, would it be hard to get back in the front office? I imagine it would be hard for me to get back in the front office just because those jobs don't come around all the time. Um, I thought I did okay at it, but that'd probably be a question for David Griffin. But I, I imagine it would probably be hard to get back in. I wasn't implying that, that Griff wouldn't hit me up. Like, Griff and I have a really great relationship. I left because my kids were really young, and I wanted to spend more time with them. Like, And I would have never had a chance to have my little baby girl. So um, it was more important for me to kind of be with my family at that time. Um, they're a little older now, so maybe – Coaching is is interesting. Like I've had conversations with FIU in the past when their job has come up. I think they made a great call this year by going with someone um, who I really have faith in. He's going to help them turn that program around. So I'm okay with that. And I've always told them that if there's any, any, ever anything that I can do to help them, I'm sure you have with Florida State. Like you know, I'm here to help in any way I can. Uh, when Florida State's job came open, yeah. I was actually talking to them about offering them some advice. And it was the first time I've ever had that itch, like, you know, it'd be kind of cool if that, like, I could be in the mix. Yeah. But see, the thing is, I would love to be a head coach. Yeah. I wouldn't want to have to go through all the, like, jump through the, the grinding of being like an that. assistant. Yeah. Right. Cause it's necessary. Like, you do need that, I guess, somewhat, but that's like really hard. And at my age and my life, lifestyle, like, yeah. I don't have to start over from scratch and make, you know, you only make like 30, 40 sure. grand as you start. Sure. And, you know, at my, again, I, like, I don't have to go that lifestyle yeah. again. Well, so, understood. We'll all right. But if you want to offer me a head job, like, go ahead. We'll take it. it. Anyway, yeah. All right. That's a wrap for us. I hope everybody has a fantastic Friday and the rest of the weekend. Enjoy the NBA Finals. Enjoy the attempt for the Triple Crown. And thanks for checking us out. As always, make sure you go subscribe, download iTunes, check us out anywhere podcasts were available. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canel and Bell. Take it easy.